Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our series, Back to School. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the sermon. Amen. Amen. How blessed, how blessed are we, Pastor Teddy, Hope Creative, the whole team, and how week after week we are led in to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is a gift from God our worship leaders are to us. They're not just singers of songs. They are leaders of worship. Praise God. Praise God. I sound seems like I say that every single time, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Well, I am glad to be with you this weekend once again for the folks joining us online. Welcome. So glad you are with us. We are this week starting a brand new series And I don't think that phrase has been used since January of 2021 when we started the brand new series through the book of James. This week, we are starting a a short four-week series entitled Back to School, Four Life Lessons Everyone Needs to Learn. Back to School, Four Life Lessons Everyone Needs to Learn. And I look forward to kicking this off tonight. And the way I want to kick it off tonight is as I continue to get to know you as uh, one of the new pastors around here is uh, just introduce you to the first version of myself that went back to school. There was a time when Edward Paz went back to school for the very first time First grade, South San Francisco, California, and here I am with my first grade teacher, Miss Lundy, and that was the first time I went back to school. Wow, time has flown. Time has flown, and uh, I would go on uh, out of the public school there, and then in the fourth grade, I went to a private school for the very first time. Uh, at a Christian private school in San Francisco, and uh, I had uniforms. <laughs> so just so you know, I didn't choose to wear that for picture day. There were uniforms, and I picked this picture in particular because I just needed y'all to know that I've been having eye problems since the fourth grade, okay? <laughs> this whole eye thing is nothing new. Um, glasses in the fourth grade. I think I started wearing contacts. I don't even know if it was legal, but like in the fifth grade, I was already putting contacts in my eyes. Anyways, those are just some back to school memories. And I don't know about you, but I don't miss school very much, (laughs) but I miss at times the anticipation of going back to school. Someone say, hey man, remember the anticipation, seeing the friends again, I never forget, you know, just getting out of the uniform and finally I went to high school and I could wear what I want to wear and, you know, you get your new outfit and you're just so excited to put it out and then the outfits ran out, at least for me, just about three or four days in and then you just wore the same stuff over and over again. But I hope that as we jump into this new series, 
that there could be an anticipation. An anticipation. I know there's a lot going on in the world, and we don't know what the world is going to look like in light of all the things going on, but how many of you would say during this next season where the kids are going back to school, where your life maybe in some ways is, is getting to a new normal, whatever that may be, would you say that as a faith family, we want to have an anticipation for what God wants to do in our lives during this next season of our lives? If that's you, say amen. I want to have an anticipation, an expectation that God's going to move. And so I encourage you to just make a commitment today. If you are in town, that you're just going to be here. You're gonna be here for each of these next four weeks because over these four weeks, we are gonna be looking at four parables, four different stories that Jesus told. And from each of those stories, we're gonna be sure to deliver a significant life lesson that, that you need to have and to hold and to cherish and to live by. And so for those of you who may be new to Bible study, um, a parable in many ways is, is not much different from an Aesop's fable, uh, the tortoise in the hare. What is the old story about the tortoise in the hare? And it's, it's a story of a race. The tortoise goes really slow. The hare goes really fast. And ultimately, the tortoise beats the hare. And who knows the, the principle of that fable, of that parable out loud? Do we know what that is? I'm, oh, wow. Okay. Back to school. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race. Come on, somebody. Slow and steady wins the race. Praise God, you're all learning something tonight. Some of you are like, ooh, that's good. Slow and steady wins the race. I thought that was in the Bible. No, that's the tortoise in the hair. Okay. So Jesus told stories to deliver truths. I, I define parable this way. A parable is a simple fictional story used to teach a significant spiritual lesson. So Jesus in his time on the earth as the great master teacher would tell fictional stories, stories that weren't true to deliver powerful spiritual lessons. And the one I'm privileged to uh, teach you to tonight, teach you tonight is uh, known very famously as the story of the prodigal son. Uh, this is found in Luke 15. So if you've got a copy of the scriptures, if you've got your Bibles, you can open those up to Luke 15, 11 through 32. Just a few moments, I'm gonna read the parable. I'm gonna read this fictitious story in its entirety. Then we're gonna break it down. And I just want to say, for those of you who think to yourself, oh, I've heard that one already. <laughs> I know what this one's all about. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be something different. Stop. Turn to your neighbor and say, humble yourself. <laughs> okay, because some of you, I, I just, I, I heard it. I heard it in the room. Oh, that one. Okay. How many of you would agree that God can do something fresh in your life through a story that you've heard many, many times before? And why can he do that? Because the spirit of God always wants to do something fresh in you. He always wants to do something fresh in you. And I believe that's gonna happen tonight. Let's read this story together. Let's jump in. And he said, Jesus tells the story. There was a man who had two sons 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, all the father's inheritance. He gathered all of it and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Jesus goes on. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Story continues, but when he came to himself, some versions say when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He prepared this speech, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He got into his speech, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and Jordan's on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Story's not over. Now his older son, everyone say, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fat calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours doesn't even, I mean, he probably knows his name. He said, this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes. Whoa, prostitutes, where'd that come from? You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and his is found. This is known famously as the story of the prodigal son. And I know that was a lot of text. And so for those of you who might've got lost along the way at some point, here's a summary. The younger brother asks for his inheritance early, takes it, leaves, spends it all, and then he returns. The father celebrates his return, and then the older brother gets mad. That is the summary of this parable. What does this mean? What's the principle? Slow and steady wins the race, tortoise in the hare. What does this mean for us? Well, the tension question that we're going to ask and answer tonight through this text, believe it or not, is, is this. How can we maintain close fellowship with God and avoid feeling isolated from God? This story answers this question that how we can maintain close 
fellowship with the Lord. I love here at Hope, it's oftentimes said that once you place your faith in Jesus, your, your relationship with God can't be severed. But many times your fellowship with God can experience some hardships, your, your closeness, your intimacy with God. So how can we maintain close relationship and avoid being isolated? Now, a few burdens. First one, I think we need to understand the content of this parable because I think if we're being honest, maybe even right now, this weekend, those of you watching online, that there are some of you who feel isolated from God. You don't feel very close. The feelings of love and adoration, and you see Teddy up here singing and dancing around, and you're just like, I don't got that. And I've been reading my Bible, and I've been doing all the things, but my heart isn't warm for the things of the Lord. How many of you would say, I want to maintain and keep for as long as possible close fellowship with God. And I believe this story gives us the answers to how we can maintain close fellowship with God. And how many of you would agree isolation from God just feels horrible? When you feel like he's a million miles away, when he feel like he's not listening to what you're saying, that he could care less about you. Seems like he cares about my mom and my brother, but why doesn't he care about me? Why don't I feel close? And so, man, I'm burdened to teach this weekend because I know isolation is real and the desire for intimacy is equally real. Here's a second burden I have. A majority of Christians, they don't actually know the meaning of this parable. Let me just tell you right now, what I typically learned about this parable growing up in church over many, many years is not actually the, the proper interpretation. And so, God forbid, such a timeless story that we have the wrong interpretation to. Someone say amen. So we've got to see this rightly. And, and what's at stake if we don't see this rightly? Here's my third and final burden a misinterpretation of this particular parable can lead to a misunderstanding of the message of Christianity in its entirety. If we see this parable wrongly, we could actually approach our Christianity in a way that it was never meant to be approached. And so... <laughs> Where do I get off being able to bring this fresh revelation? You know, who am I? And let me just tell you, I'm absolutely nobody. I read a book, it's called Prodigal God. I, I recommend it to you uh, by Tim Keller. Prodigal God. And you'll see why Tim Keller calls this book Prodigal God about the story of the prodigal son as we unravel. So I'm gonna quote Pastor Tim Keller very often this evening. I really wanted to just sit here on a chair and just read to you as much as I could in the time we had, but uh, very much influenced by this book. I say I've had two great revivals in my life as it relates to my walk with Jesus. I, I grew up in a Christian home, gave my life to the Lord at an early age, but I, I think I got a hold of this book at about... I don't know, 27, 28, 
And I felt like I had got saved again for the very first time by reading this book. And then my second revival would be, I've talked about it before as it relates to my approach to prayer. And so this is really a near and dear topic. So here's the outline. We got to jump in. Here's how we're going to get to understanding how we can avoid feeling isolated from God and maintaining intimacy and close relationship with the Father. We're going to look at the younger brother's isolation. How did the younger brother find himself isolated from God? And then often skipped over. We'll spend a majority of our time here. Though the older brother stayed, spoiler alert, he was just as isolated from his father. And then I love that we're going to get to close and take the eyes off of ourselves. Which one am I? Which one am I? And put our eyes and gaze on the perfect father that we see in this story. How does this sound for a a roadmap of answering the question, how can I avoid isolation and maintain intimacy? If you're ready to receive from the word of God tonight, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. That was weak. That was weak. If you are ready to receive from the word of God, say, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Three characteristics I'm about to lay out of the younger brother. These are three characteristics that he had that led to his isolation from the father. The first characteristic is he was demanding. He was demanding. You could add rude. You could add irreverent. You could add all those words because when you ask your father for your inheritance before the guy is dead, that's rude. Someone say amen. Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. You know, the stuff I would get when you croak, I want it now. I want it now. How many of you have ever been demanding of God? How many of you have ever wanted the gifts of God without the relationship with God? How many of you, if God gave you the gifts, you would ditch the relationship? How many of you are just coming to church week after week, waiting for the gifts, and once the gifts come, you're gone? This is a pathway to isolation. Wanting the gifts of God without wanting God himself. And this was the younger brother. He could care less. Give me the stuff now. And the story goes, he went off. He went off to a far country. It's interesting, I kind of feel bad about this, but when I would teach this parable in Oakland, I would say it would be like taking all your money and going to Vegas. Sorry. But come on. You know. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning to love this city. I don't want to bring shame on this city in any way, but it is a truth about this city that many people come here and live self-indulgent lives. And they blow it all. And that's the second characteristic. It's self-indulgent. The younger son gathered all he had, took the journey, and he squandered his property in reckless living. He spent it all. 
And this term squandered, reckless living, that's where the term prodigal comes from. It means to be reckless in your spending, to just be lavish, to just do it however you want to do it. Self-indulgent. And how many of you would hate to identify with the younger brother, but it'd be an honest statement that at times I have received the gifts from God and I've spent it all on myself. It's been about asking God for financial security and when that financial security came, it was all about me. I asked God for healing and when that healing came, I just made it all about me the gifts I've been given by the Lord, I just know how to make it all about me, self-indulgent. Come on, moment of honesty here this weekend. How many of you would ever say you've been self-indulgent with the gifts that God has given you? I, I'm here. I've been that way. So he's distant from God because he demands gifts without relationship. He's distant from his father, I'm sorry, because he spends it all on himself. And I wanna show you one more area that creates isolation from God in the text. He's compensating. He wants to be a repayer. Look at this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This was the speech that he was preparing and, and I appreciate this moment of humility, but look at how he viewed his relationship with his father. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Let me pay you back. He thought, even though I done took everything that father gave me, I could just go back and get it right for an amount of time. And then maybe if I, I'm transactional in that way, if I pay him back, I, I could just serve at the house. Could you see that when we look at our relationship with our heavenly father in a transactional way that you could lo lose fellowship and intimacy with God that way? That it's always just transactional. If I mess up, I'll go to church three times in a row. Come on, come on, we've done it. Come on, I'll give a little bit more. I'll put an extra 20, come on. It's transactional, because if I do that, if I, if I do a double quiet time, morning and night, Surely, surely it'll start coming back sooner. Hey, come on, parents, don't you hate when your kids are transactional with you? How used do you feel? Have you ever just looked at them and been like, you don't love me? You don't love me, man. You want my money, you want my permission. And if as you might feel that as an earthly parent, I can't imagine, God, how he just looks at us and just, man, you just, you think if you just work it out, like, hmm, this is what Tim Keller has to say. The younger brother in the parable illustrates the way of self-discovery. This is what he represents. There's a, there's a type of Christian, there's a type of person in the world that his way, her way is self-discovery. In ancient patriarchal structures, some took this route, but there are far more who do so today. This paradigm holds that individuals must be free to pursue their own goals and self-actualization regardless of custom and convention. Wow. 
Do you know anybody like that? Are you that person? Take the shackles off. I need to be free. Tim Keller goes on to say, in this view, the world would be a far better place if tradition, prejudice, hierarchical authority, and other barriers to personal freedom were weakened or removed. This is one approach to living that the younger brother represents that can lead to isolation with God. Tim Keller says it so nice. I kind of, younger brothers are isolated from God by breaking God's law, by doing it their own way, by being self-indulgent. Now, this probably isn't new to any of you. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that's what the younger brother did. Shame on that guy. I'm so glad I don't do that. <laughs> we need to understand um, what's going on with the younger brother. It's important. But as we continue on in our outline, the older brother was isolated too. And the older brother's isolation is actually the main point of this parable. And you say, how, how do you know that? Well, context. The context in which Jesus told this parable. What sparked him to tell this parable? How many of you would say that's a good question to ask? Context when you're reading the scriptures precedes proper comprehension. And look at the context. Let me show you. Luke 15, one through two. Now the tax collectors and sinners, younger brothers, self-discovery, doing things their own way, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Jesus was surrounded by the people doing bad. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, spoiler alert, older brothers, muttered, complained, grumbled. I love yellow, but let me just tell you, when I use blue, when I use blue, I'm just telling you, because we're gonna get to know each other over these years, prayerfully, hopefully, Travis. Um, pray, when I use blue, okay, what did they say? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The religious leaders who were gathered listening to Jesus had problems with the fact that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. So what do they do? They complain to Jesus about it. Why do you hang out with them? And it's in response to that complaining that Jesus tells three stories. I'll tell you the other stories in just a moment, but the third and final story is the story of the prodigal son. And what is happening here? Let me just make it plain on the next slide. This parable is more about correcting the self-righteousness of those who keep the laws of God than it is about correcting the sin of those who break the law of God. For how long have we romanticized the story of the prodigal son and you were just waiting for me to say, so if you've sinned and if you've gone out to a far country and you find yourself here tonight broken and busted before God, you can come back. Now, I'll do that a little bit later. I will, I'll do a version of that. 
But that's not the point of this story. Jesus told this story because people were complaining that he was talking to younger brothers. So you guys ready to see the characteristics of an older brother that isolates older brothers from God's yes or yes? These are characteristics that we need to avoid. These are characteristics that we need to understand. Number one, angry. (laughs) The older brother's primary response to his younger brother coming home was what? Anger. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. What a baby. I'm not going to the party. Come on, your younger brother's back. Angry, we laugh. But oh man, oh man, if we could see ourselves in our self-righteousness, come on. How many times when God doesn't have things go our way and we see another Christian, we see another non-Christian receive the free gift of grace, something in us says, why? Why not me? That's messed up. Christian in the room, do you get angry when you aren't treated by God the way you think you should be treated by God? Because if you do, and if that anger comes easily, you very likely can be just as isolated from your heavenly father than the man or the woman squandering it all in reckless living. How angry are you when things don't go your way? That might be a clue that you may be on the path to an older brother isolation. Next, joylessly compliant. Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. He was keeping score. I served in Hope Students for seven weeks in a row. I opened up my home 15 times. Cleaned my bathroom for those disgusting folks coming up in my house. They ate all my chips. And I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat. Why, 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 why did they get him to Jordan's? Why did they take him to Outback? I've been opening my home. I've been doing it all. And you ain't done nothing for me. What does that show? Every act of obedience wasn't for God. Every act of obedience was an act to put God in their debt. Do you obey God to put him in your debt? Lord, help us. Help us to see how lost and isolated from you we could be because of our religion. Joylessly compliant. This is depressing. Let's finish this up. Next. Morally superior. But when this son of yours came, whom has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Man, he got all specific with the sin. He got all accurate. Come on, what's up with that? Nobody needs to be calling out what I did in Vegas. Come on. 
But come on, this is us. How do you poke your nose up? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm vaccinated. Oh, oh, I'm coming for both sides. I'm not vaccinated. And let me tell you, at this point, I don't know which one of y'all is worse. I do this. I do that. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Morally superior. Which acts of obedience for you make you feel better than the next person? Because you speak in tongues? Because you read your Bible every single day? He was just as isolated. Tim Keller says it this way. I got to shut this down. The elder brother in the parable illustrates the way of moral conformity. Who would have thought moral conformity could be a pathway to isolation from God? Whoa. The Pharisees of Jesus' day believed that while they were people chosen by God, they could only maintain their place in his blessing and receive final salvation through strict obedience to the Bible. Goes on. In this view, we only attain happiness in a world made right by achieving moral rectitude. Where the younger brother is all about doing it their way, the older brother's way of controlling it, God is that by actually doing it God's way, by staying home. Let me say it this way. The older brother who stayed was just as isolated from his father as the younger brother who left. You could have someone on your heart right now who you want to return to the Lord. They haven't been to church in years, might living a sinful life, whatever it is in your mind. But you know what? You could sit in a service week after week after week and be more isolated from God than the person you're praying for. And I don't say that to condemn you tonight. I say that to say to the older brothers, older sisters in this room, come home to Jesus. And don't come home to Jesus by placing an emphasis on your obedience. Come home to Jesus by placing an emphasis on receiving God's love for you. What does the Father say? Everything I had was yours. I want to continue by saying this here. Older brothers are isolated from God by keeping God's law. So, I'm running out of time. Big time. Uh, let me read this. Tim Keller. He says it this way, elder brothers divide the world in two. The good people like us are in and the bad people who are the real problem with the world are out. That's how older brothers see it. Good are in, bad are out. Now look how the younger brothers see it. Younger brothers, even if they don't believe in God at all, do the same thing saying, no, the open-minded and tolerant people are in and the bigoted, narrow-minded people who are the real problem with the world are out. <sighs> Let me tell you, they're both wrong. It's not the bad who are out and the good who are in. It's not the good who are in and the bad who are out. It's the humble who are in and the prideful who are out. So four lessons, four lessons. What are the lessons? Well, first lesson is this. Everyone is wrong. Everyone is loved. Everyone must be saved. Four life lessons everyone needs to learn. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be wrong. You can be wrong about the way you pursue intimacy with Jesus. 
I got to get into the Father, and we're done. The perfect Father. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Turn our eyes to God. Very quickly here. How does the Father respond? But while still way off, he felt compassion. I don't know a lot of Greek, but for whatever reason, this word, felt compassion, has stuck in my mind. It's splagnizomai. That's a cool word. Splagnizomai. What does that mean? That means an ache in the belly. The father had an ache in the belly to bless his son. And your heavenly father has an ache in his belly tonight to show you compassion, to bless you. This is our perfect heavenly father. Someone say amen. amen. He doesn't just ache to bless, he's lavish in his blessing. He goes over the top. How many of you are thankful that we don't serve a chintzy blessing God? He gives us more than we need. He gives us Pastor Teddy and Pastor Scott. Wow, over the top. What a God. Best robe, ring, shoes, fattened calf. This is our father finally initiating in, what's the word, nature. But he was angry and refused to go in. Look, he came out and entreated. He went to, and in the Greek, Pastor Tom, help me understand it. He went to over and over and over again to the older brother, come into the party, come into the party, come into the party. He had an initiating love for the older brother, but he also had initiating love for the younger brother. In that day, in age, to run for the patriarch of the home, to run, that wasn't the culture. But it wasn't about the culture, it was about the love that he had for his son. So he, saying forget culture, ran out to see him, initiated. Before the son could get the words out of his mouth, his father was ready to bless him. So how do we maintain intimacy with God? I alluded to it already. Both younger brothers and older brothers are joined with God simply by receiving this love. How do we apply this to our lives? Three ways. Number one, younger brothers, repent for your self-indulgence. In just a few minutes, we're gonna have an opportunity to respond, and there are some of you who are living self-indulgent, demanding, compensating lives. And I hope that many of you would come forward at the end of service, get prayer, just identify yourself. Man, I'm a younger brother, I'm a younger sister, and I need to be forgiven for my chosen way of self-discovery. And then, they're older brothers. Man, you're here on a Thursday night. <laughs> There's more older brothers in this room than there are younger brothers, let me just tell you. We're in church on Thursday, who does that? older brothers typically. No, just kidding, but kind of not. Some of us, we think we get our relationship with God because of obedience. Now don't hear me say this. Obedience is the fruit of having a relationship with God. It is. But it's not what got you in. It's not what keeps you in firm grip of Almighty God does that. And so tonight we're going to receive God's lavish love. Now, I want to talk about not only the perfect father, but just a few more minutes here to, to talk about our perfect older brother. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. See, there are three parables 
that Jesus tells. He tells a story of a lost coin. He tells a story in Luke 15, you can read it for yourself. He tells a story of some lost sheep and then he tells the story of the lost son. And in the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep, in each of those stories, someone goes out to look for the lost coin. Someone goes out to go look for the lost sheep. But something's missing in story number three. No one goes out to the younger brother. You know who should have done that? The older brother should have gone after his younger brother. And so the lack of someone going after what was lost in this story should direct our hearts to yearn for a perfect older brother who comes after us. And the person of Jesus Christ did just that. Let me show you how this is written uh, in the message translation, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Jesus had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what, not at all. When the time came, look at our perfect older brother. This is our Jesus. He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. This is our Jesus. He gave up his inheritance so we could have his inheritance. What a gospel. Younger brother, do you want that love? Younger sister, do you want that love? Older brother, do you want that love? Come forward tonight. Respond to what Jesus has done for you. Let's not emphasize, oh, I gotta stop being a younger brother. I gotta stop being, no. Let's receive the gift of our perfect father, the gift of our perfect older brother, Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we... Thank you for the depth of your word. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Tim Keller and for how you used his writing and his interpretation of the scriptures and his labor of love to radically transform my life. I've had so many times in my life where I've had younger brother seasons of self-indulgence, older brother seasons of judging others, God, and at every turn, you were there to forgive me. God, we wanna be a community of faith that is safe. Older brothers repenting of their self-righteousness, older sisters repenting for self-righteous, judgmental attitudes. Lord, we wanna be a safe place for those who squander your blessings. And Lord, tonight, this weekend, may this weekend be a safe place for prodigals of all types to come home and receive your love. Pray this all in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The best part of the message is now. It's how you respond. What are you gonna do with what you just heard? How's the Holy Spirit convicting you? Pastors are gonna be right up here. And as I was just thinking about it in my mind, I just saw people coming up who just needed to do business with God. 
kneeling at these altars. I saw some people going up to pastors and saying, yep, I'm the older brother. That's the specific prayer I need. I'm the younger brother. Come on, let's deal with this, folks, because what's at stake? The, at stake is being a light, a humble light in the world, free of pride of doing it our own way or free of the pride of getting it right. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.